Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday, a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page, plus start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Welcome to the Ringers Philly special, Shiel Kapadia here, joined by my friend, the return guest from the Inquirer, covers the Philadelphia Eagles, EJ Smith. EJ, we got to watch a little football practice today. That was fun. Yeah, it's it's always good. You know, training camp is like my favorite time of the year, but OTAs is like, you know, honestly, maybe it's a little bit better because you have the, uh, you know, like you've got the, the off season, the true off season where you can go on vacations and, you know, really get some relaxation in, <laughs> you know, you got that to look forward to and you get to watch a little football up close. So yeah, it's definitely a, it's definitely a, a good time of year. EJ and I, we're both on the same page. You know, you go out, you watch practice. I thought, you know what? I could go stand next to EJ, catch up, but I'm talking to EJ on the pod later. I don't want to, you know, we didn't want to ruin our best content <laughs> Live when we're not recording. So we stayed away from each other. I have no idea what you were even paying attention to, whether you were paying attention, whether Jimmy Kemsky was just talking your ear off. I have no idea, but we're <laughs> going to get to all those practice observations. So it's so much different now. Um, not to not to come in as like the the old man, the the grizzled reporter, but yeah, like back in the day, I remember you're going to like all the spring practices. I'm writing on practice observations for every every day the Eagles are doing, like really treating it like training camp. And it's different now, specifically with the Eagles. They only had what six practices uh this spring. They're not doing the mandatory mini camp. This was it today and the stuff that's open to the media it's only two practices and today because of the air quality they had to move inside uh so it's even different 
than usual, but there were still some things that kind of uh, caught my eye. So we're going to go over some of my observations. Uh, I want to hear what you think about them. I want to hear uh, your observations as well. And then we'll get to, you know, what Nick Sirianni said, some other things Eagles related. So let's start here, EJ. This, this is kind of a fun one. This is my most uh, fun moment of practice. Okay. Uh, Makai Gardner, who I will be honest, I did not know who this person was. Going into practice, okay? He's lined up at right cornerback. Jalen Hurts drops back, throws in his direction. But Kai Gardner, the undrafted free agent out of LSU, intercepts Jalen Hurts, is so excited about it, he punts the football in the air in celebration. This makes Nick Sirianni very upset. The music stops. Nick Sirianni says, what the bleep are you doing? You haven't done anything in this league. And Makai Gardner goes to the sideline. Uh, I got to say, EJ, you know, it's the little moments like this that make watching football practice uh, so fun. I looked at my roster to see who the person was. Makai Gardner didn't even have his own number. He's 43 on, uh, on defense. There's another 43 yeah. on offense. So uh, the guy doesn't have his own number. He celebrates like this in the uh, last OTA practice. Uh, I think he's my new favorite player. The guy is a legend. I don't know who who does that. Uh, I thought it was phenomenal. That probably wasn't your big takeaway from practice, but uh, I make sure I didn't say anything wrong. That That's how it played out, right? My eyes weren't deceiving me. No, your eyes were not deceiving you. I, I'll be honest. Like, if I get Nick Sirianni's got to go to bat for Jalen Hurts in that situation. But if I'm Makai Gardner, I'm doing the same exact thing. You know, I don't know. <laughs> if you're Makai Gardner, you don't know what, what your NFL career might have in store. Yes. You know, picking off a, an MVP caliber quarterback, <laughs> you know, that's that's a big moment. So, again, I get Nick Sirianni. I get where he's coming from. You know, I got to stick by my $255 million man here. But, you know, Makai Gardner, listen. I, I like a uh, I like a, a confident an overconfident defensive back and you know Eagles have had overconfident defensive backs from LSU in the past I I kind of I don't mind that celebration but yeah the, the that was probably the quote of the day <laughs> you haven't done anything in this league yet you know not doesn't necessarily uh, bode well for Makai Gardner's uh, relationship with Nick Sirianni going into into training camp. <laughs> Listen, Sirianni might not have known who he was. He knows who he is after today. You know, yeah. so that's a good thing. You get your name out there. Uh, I'm with you. You know, Mikai Gardner may never play a snap in a regular season <laughs> NFL game. If he does that a few more times, he may not play a snap in a preseason game uh, in the NFL. But yeah, that could be the moment. Like 10 years from now, he's talking to his kids and they're like, oh, you know, Pops, what was your bit? And he's talking about LSU. Well, what about, you know, you got signed by the Eagles. I did. I didn't last long there, but there was this one OTA practice. You know, Jalen Hurts, that guy who won three Super Bowls and has a Hall of Fame career. Yeah, I picked him off and, you know, Coach Sirianni wasn't happy about it, but I punted the ball in the air. Uh, I'm with you. I like my corners and a you little know, nuts. You know, like, yeah. you need that. And you know, it's like, it's like, you know, now he's always got it built into, like, let's say that his NFL career doesn't go the way he plans. Like, forever, he'll be able to go... Yeah, you know, I would have stuck in the league, but you know, politics. You know, you know the the, right. the, the 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 cards were stacked against me. You know, yeah. Nick Sirianni didn't like me. It's a, you know, all the stories you hear from like guys about the glory days and oh, the coach didn't like me. Now this guy has a real reason to say that. You know, <laughs> so it improves he, the story he, for him he, at the very least. 
he he can break out the old NFL no fun league. You know they don't they don't, they make us wear helmets. It's not like the NBA. They don't want our personalities to show. So I'm with you. Listen, I would not, there was like the chances of me leading this podcast with with Makai Gardner before today were probably like under one percent, honestly. And uh, he did something that uh, that caught our attention. So I thought that was uh, very fun. All right, let's get to an actual thing that might maybe impact the team, might not. I want to get your take on this. Uh, linebacker Christian Ellis intercepts uh, Jalen Hurts. Christian Ellis, I believe, I wasn't at the previous practice, but I think he had a nice interception uh, in that one as well. For those of you who are unfamiliar with who this person is, he played 32 snaps last year uh, on defense. He played on special teams. He's 24 years old. He played his college ball at Idaho. Uh, EJ, he was running with the first team today alongside Nicobe Dean. And sometimes, you know, these are the things you kind of keep an eye on, right? In the spring and in the summer, like, well, we all kind of penciled in Nicobe Dean and Nicholas, Nicholas Morrow. Is there room there for a competition? Could Christian Ellis be a TJ Edwards type who's kind of an undrafted free agent out of nowhere, plays well and catches the coach's attention? and earn some playing time. So uh, just wanted your general thoughts on this guy, any background uh, for the listeners, and whether you think he could actually be a player to watch uh, once training camp starts in late July. Yeah, so my number one memory of like Christian Ellis from last season was like going into, I believe it was the Saints game, Nick Sirianni was like, you know, it was when the special teams was really struggling. And like, you know, Nick Sirianni is like, oh, well, don't worry. We're going to make some changes. We got something up our sleeves. And, you know, we're all wondering, like, is he going to play more starters on special teams? Is he going to, you know, are they going to mix it up? It's And we figured it would probably probably be a practice squad elevation. And it was Christian Ellis. And I think a lot of us were like, that's your smoking gun. Like, that's like your big, <laughs> oh, we're, we're going to break in case of emergency. You know, we got Christian Ellis coming out. But he played really well on special teams, you know. And he seems like a guy who's taken advantage of the opportunities that he's gotten. Um, you know, like, listen, it's it's OTAs, even like training camp. Like, you know, there's always like one guy who like plays unbelievable all training camp. And it's like, you know, it reminds me of, like J.J. Ortega-Whiteside a few years ago where it's like this guy's lighting up training camp. And then, you know, the regular season comes and he can't play. But at the very least, like he has made plays, you know, when we've seen him in the defense. Uh, like you said, Nicholas Morrow is kind of ahead of him. But uh, Nicholas Morrow wasn't there today, which kind of gave Christian Ellis the opportunity to run with the ones. And not only did he have an interception, he had a nice pass breakup earlier in the day too, yes. uh, on the seven on sevens against Hertz, you know, Hertz, uh, I think he started Jack Stoll and he broke it up. So yeah, Ellis has been playing really well. Him and Reed Blankenship are kind of like in that same, you know, kind of nucleus. Now Blankenship's obviously played more, but like, you know, it's kind of like they both are fending off like a more proven player that was signed in the off season, you know, with Blankenship, it's Terrell Ad Edmonds and then Sydney, um, Sydney Brown it, to a, like a lesser degree, I would say. Um, and then, yeah, with Ellis, it's like, I mean, Morrow obviously has actually played in the league and, you know, you kind of, you have a lot of tape on him, but I mean, as far as Christian Ellis, he's, it's his second year in the defense and yeah, he's made a lot of plays in practice and seems to take advantage of his opportunities. You know, you kind of have to throw away like uh, the draft pedigree of it all. And like, obviously, you know, the front office will be influenced a little bit by, you know, this is a guy we took, you know, or this is a guy we signed versus an undrafted guy. But like same with Blankenship last year, it's like if the guy can play, the guy can play. So now I'm definitely intrigued, you know, going into training camp, I'll be keeping a close eye on not only how he plays, but what teams he's with and, you know, figuring out uh, if the coaches kind of share the same opinion of uh, of him as the rest of us do. Because, I mean, he did, he did. He played really well in the two practices that were open to the media. Yeah, Moro is like the kind of guy you, I feel like you signed to sort of set the floor at the position. You know, it's like, all right, 
Yeah. We know he, like you said, we know he's been a starter in the NFL before, but in your ideal scenario, someone outplays him and earns a spot and is, you know, is mm-hmm. better uh, than him. Or even listen nothing is like, we think N'Kobe Dean's going to be the starter and wearing the green dot and everything, but he hasn't played either. So, so we don't know for sure. So uh, linebacker and safety are obviously the two spots on defense. You we're all keeping an eye on uh, this summer in training camp. So Christian Ellis, there you go. That, that's a, like a, an early <laughs> training camp preview, uh, a player to watch once they, uh, once they hit the field in late July. What'd you think of like the, structure of practice today or like who was participating and who wasn't, you know, they had, like, I was confused because so they move it inside, which I've well, a fine move, you know, the air quality, uh, baseball games were being canceled. So they move it inside. A lot of veterans weren't in attendance at all. Jason Kelsey, right. If I'm, if I'm messing any of this up, let me know, but I didn't see Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, uh, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Darius Slay, AJ Brown. None of those guys are practicing. And then like 30 minutes in EJ Sirianni, like gathers the whole team in the middle of the field and is giving like some sort of speech. Jeffrey Lurie's there, Howie Roseman's there. And all we can hear, or at least all I could hear was like, stay out of trouble. You know? So it sounded like, yeah, hey, don't do anything our- stupid. Yeah. yeah. Don't do anything <laughs> stupid. So it's like, this is our last practice. I'll see you all at training camp. And I was like, is that it? Like it's been 35 yeah. minutes. And then like different group, like position groups all gather. And then he's holding a meeting with like, some veterans. Did you see that? It was like Landon Dickerson, Devonte Smith, yeah. uh, my lot was in there. My Lotta, Goddard yeah. was in there, Jake Elliott. And so Sirianni's talking to them. And then I'm like, is practice over or is practice not over? And then a bunch <laughs> of veterans, you know, leave the practice bubble, but then they have seven on sevens, which the place we were just describing with Jalen Hurts happened. So any insight into like, like what was going on there? Just your kind of uh, opinion. I had never really seen any, you know, uh, sort of a, a practice like that where um, you're, you're not sure if it's over or when it's over or anything like that. Yeah. So Nick has done this a couple of times during training camp where like he almost wants to like interject his final messaging and then go like, all right, now let's go close out practice really strong. It okay. is interesting, you know, cause like, it's funny, like my like, you know, vantage point of it was like, you know, staring, like trying to pick up any little cue I could to figure out if practice was over. Cause I mean, I, you know, like you said, it's kind of fun to watch it. You know, it's like, you don't really want it to be over after just 35 minutes. I was hoping, you know, for uh, our observation sake that we had a little bit of more meat there. And, you know, I'm like, well, you know, Jalen Hurts put his helmet on. I, I, I don't know. I think that that's a, a good sign for practice continuing here. Um, but no, I can think of a couple of times where he will like call the team in and like kind of give them a speech. Sometimes I feel like, it's and I don't think it was the case today, but I think sometimes he has done that when the energy maybe not isn't where he wants it to be, you know, kind of okay. say like, you know, the energy in practice has been bad or, you know, I can remember like during training camp once uh, last year, it was really hot one day and he called everybody in and he said like, you know, the elements are something we're going to have to deal with. You know, this is adversity, all that stuff. So I feel like this is kind of like on track for Nick a little bit, like where he kind of breaks it down in the middle of practice. And then it's like, let's go finish strong, but definitely strange, you know, not something that I'd ever seen a coach do before Nick for sure. Yeah. It caught my attention. It, it was exactly what you were saying. Like I've seen a coach be like, like sometimes 
there'll be guys like hitting each other, right? When it's a non-contact or getting yeah. too physical or mixing it up too much. And the coach will be like, all right, I'm gathering everyone in the middle of the field. I'm going to have a talk. Like, let's be smart. Let's not do that. We're all on the same team and then continue practice. But this was like, he was giving his like exit speech and then some guys <laughs> left and then the other guys continued uh, practicing. So I thought uh, that was interesting there. All right, let's take a quick break. Come back and talk about a few more things we saw during today's practice. It's almost time to crown a new NBA champion. And FanDuel wants you to be a part of the excitement. Because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's right. $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Me personally, I like the Denver Nuggets. You know what FanDuel has? They have Nikola Jokic, double-double, and Denver to win, parlay. Minus 132. We all know Nikola Jokic is guaranteed to get a double-double, and Denver is the better team. So why not take that minus 132? There's no better place to bet all the finals action than America's number one sports book. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Ringer Philly and get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash Ringer Philly. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hope is here. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK. 21 and up in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund is issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at fanduel.com sportsbook. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with the Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 if you're in Arizona. If you're in Connecticut, call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Kansas. Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Louisiana, 1-877-770-STOP. Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Wyoming, 1-800-522-4700 or if you're in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right, we're back on the Ringers Philly special. Shiel Kapadia here, joined by EJ Smith. We're talking about what we saw at Eagles OTAs, their final practice session uh, of the spring today. Uh, EJ, Nolan Smith. I was like, where's Nolan Smith? I couldn't find Nolan Smith. I was trying to find him wearing the number three, which I knew but had forgotten. And then I saw him. If you saw, let, let's say you just showed up at practice, right? You knew nothing about the Eagles, knew nothing about Nolan Smith but you knew about football and you saw this player in this number three Jersey, uh, walk by you or run past you or participate in a drill. What position, like if, if someone, if the person next to you was like, Hey, what position do you think that guy plays number three? What, what I'm curious, what position would you say? 
It's a good Is question. I um, hope the question made sense. Okay. No, it's a no, it's a good question. So I, I when you watch him run in like shorts and a t-shirt, I immediately was like, this guy's just a wide receiver who plays defensive end. Um I think seeing him in person, I probably would go like like a super rocked up wide receiver, like, you know, almost like okay. a hybrid tight end wide receiver. But I, I really do like when you watch him like among the other players, and I know some other people have said this too, like when you watch him among the other players, he's built in a way where it's like he looks like, you know, a defense, not a defensive end, but he looks like he can hang at that position. He's he's a solid whatever it is, 240 or something like that. And, you know, I think that his way to the combine was maybe influenced by the fact that he was hurt going into the combine, maybe didn't have a chance to lift as much. Um, but I get what you're saying. I think that that's like the way edge rushers are going these days. You know, I think that, you know, the, especially the Eagles have talked so much about like wanting athletes, you know, you need the best athletes on defense. And, you know, it's kind of like if you ask Jeffrey Lurie about mobile quarterbacks, he says, well, the best athletes are on defense. And then if you ask him about defense, he says, we need the best athletes on defense. So I think that Nolan Smith kind of fits that bill. And yeah, I, I think you're right. Like if, you, if I didn't know anything about him just because of the number and everything else, I'd probably be like, is this guy like a, you know, a shorter version of Julio Jones or something like, you know, this super muscular wideout? Because he definitely has those traits to him. But no, I really do. I mean, I'm, I, I think he can hang uh, just because of the way that he's built. Yeah, no, the league is uh, definitely going that way. And we, we've seen it with Hassan Reddick. Someone could have probably made the same, uh, asked the same question during her, his first training camp. It just stuck out to me. Like, I probably would have guessed three other positions uh, to answer my own question before <laughs> I would be like, yeah, that guy's going to be would you you know, have gone an running back for you. I think maybe I would have gone you like have linebacker or honestly, first I would like just looking at him. I was like, he kind of looks like a safety. Now I know like there are no yeah. safeties that are that big uh, <laughs> anymore. Like that's big for a safety now, but I just looking at him moving. I was like, Oh, that, you know, just walking around and w maybe it's wearing the number three that probably had like a, an impact yeah. on me, but I'm like, he kind of looks like an athletic safety, but I will say this, even watching him just during drills, like the man moves differently. Like, you know, when you just watch five yeah. guys in a row go doing, do the same drill and just those like sudden movements, the uh, scouting term, the twitchiness of the player, like that popped out to me. Uh, instantly. So this isn't to say he can't be a great player or a great edge rusher or whatever. But, you know, part of the fun of this is like you're seeing the new players in person for the first time and like what uh, stands out to you. So I thought that stood out uh, to me. And then EJ, I forgot DeAndre Swift wears zero. How do, how, how do we feel about that? I was so confused. I'm like, who is this player? I don't know if he caught like a little Texas route or a little swing pass and he took off and I'm like, is this like an undrafted free agent? Do I need to look at my roster? And I'm like, oh, that's uh, that's DeAndre Swift. How do we feel about Swift wearing zero here? You know, if I'm being totally honest here, I feel like zero should have been reserved for like a more ceremonious player. Now, like DeAndre Swift, obviously hometown kid, you know, people are really excited yeah. about him, but I feel like you, you break that out for like the superstar, like wide receiver that you draft 10th overall or something, you know, like I feel like they could have held on to that one for a little bit longer, maybe like giving it to like an undrafted guy this year. Like here, you take zero. I don't know. Like, I feel like the first real zero, like, don't you want that to be like really memorable? Like if Jalen Carter, he probably looked weird in zero. Like, I'm not saying he should have worn it, but like, I feel like that's a Jalen Carter level, like ceremony to be like, you get the first zero in Eagles history. So um, yeah, I'm not sure how to feel about it quite yet. <laughs> I can't decide. Yeah, I I can't decide if there's like a position or like a player build that would look best in zero. Like you mentioned, like that was one I thought. I'm like maybe like a nose tackle, 
wearing zero or is that just because I'm thinking zero technique and it has nothing to do with the, with the number? Uh, like, is it going to be popular? Like, are, do it? I don't know. Like I haven't looked at the list around the league of players who uh, want to wear zero. Like when you said wide receiver, I'm like, oh, that feels weird to me. Like a wide receiver wearing zero. So I don't know. Maybe just I haven't seen it uh, in person before, but uh, I'm sure someone will get to the bottom of that and ask DeAndre Swift about it. But that one kind of caught me uh, off guard a little bit. All right. Next on my list, EJ, I saw a player who I forgot was still on the Philadelphia Eagles who was back on the Philadelphia Eagles when I covered the Philadelphia Eagles full-time. His name is Derek Barnett, was at practice today. I'm like, oh, yeah, Derek Barnett, he's still on the roster. I forgot they signed him to that two-year deal. He was injured last year. Uh, I don't know if you've already gotten into your 53-man roster projections or anything like that, or if you've even thought about this before, or if you're like, Chill. I'm coming on your pod and you're asking me about Derek freaking Barnett. Like, what are you doing here? So, but I am asking you about that. Does he have a role on this team? Do you think he's going to be on the team? Do you think he's not going to be on the team? Just tell me uh, about the player who I've not thought about much um, in the last uh, year or so. So I can tell you from just being around the team for the last few years that they're higher on him than the outside for, for certain. Like, you know, yeah. there were games that he played last year or not last year, two years ago, where I remember like, you know, Nick Sirianni being like, he played really well that game. I know you guys are hard, on him, but he played really well. You know, I understand why fans are frustrated with him. I mean, even just from an objective perspective, it's kind of frustrating to see the guy say, make the same mistakes all the time, all the time. You know, it's mental stuff with him a lot of times, too. Um, maybe like his lockers stuff. next so, to Makai Gardner, Makai Gardner, maybe that, you know, that, that might, uh, make a little sense there. Maybe, maybe Derek Barnett whispered in his ear, like pick him off and punt it. You know, like, <laughs> we don't need, you know, you gotta Get have an there. edge. Um, <laughs> um, but as far as his role goes, like I find him, I, I find it hard to believe he's going to have much of a role. Like, you know, we don't know like what Sean Desai's preference is for like edge rusher rotations, but in the past, you know, with Jim Schwartz and then even with Jonathan Gannon, you know, like the expectation usually is that you have four guys playing the majority of the snaps. And right now they've got Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham, and Nolan Smith. Now maybe Barnett, you know, edges out Nolan Smith, but I feel like they're going to want to get Nolan Smith on the field. Um, and I, I think that that would make a lot of sense, you know, especially when you think about the situations that you want those guys in. Um, you know, maybe if like, if they want to carry him, I know I don't, I haven't gotten too much into the 53 number ga- numbers game yet, but I mean, they've got a lot of guys at that spot. So, you know, fitting him in just to be like an early down guy who maybe gets you like a couple snaps a game. I just feel like it might be a little bit too much juice for the squeeze as far as roster construction goes. So, um, but I do say that acknowledging that like the team is higher on him than we are. So, you know, if you ask me what I would do, I definitely don't see him on the, on the 53, but I could see him sneaking on just because he's, you know, a guy who's been around for a while. Um, and, you know, they might just be intrigued by seeing what he looks like in camp. So. Yeah. I haven't looked at the money or the financial implications uh, of keeping him versus releasing him or anything like that. But I tend to agree with you. I mean, they're going to be motivated. Like it's already going to be a little bit tricky to find snaps for the four guys you mentioned you know reddick is not yeah. going to want to play fewer snaps and he was your best pass rusher last year you're not taking him off the field josh sweat same thing brandon graham was like an incredible rotational player for them last year you're not going to take his snaps away and play Derek barnett and then nolan smith you're motivated to find a way to get him on the field i mean the organization obviously loves him you spent a first round pick on him 
Uh, he seems like, you know, he, he he's already itching to get on the field. He seems like a mature guy who's, you know, you're not going to worry about effort. You're not going to worry about him knowing the playbook. Uh, you're not going to have to worry about any of that stuff with him. So it's just like, you know, maybe you have Barnett and you just make sure, all right, are we healthy going into the season by the, because sometimes this stuff just works itself out and somebody, you know, you don't yeah. ever want to see it, but somebody gets injured in the first two weeks of August. And now it's like, Hey, good thing you held on uh, to Derek Barnett. We've seen that with Howie, especially with the offensive and defensive lines. Like they're not afraid to just overinvest to the point where you go, did you really like need to invest those resources uh, at that spot when you have all these guys ahead of them? But they would rather be uh, safe than sorry there. And so to your point, I mean, we found out a couple of years ago when Derek Barnett hit free agency that not only are they higher on him than the public is, than the media is, but also than the rest of the league is because he could have signed <laughs> yeah. anywhere else. Um, and he didn't get a great offer, obviously. And he signed up uh, with the Eagles. I think it was two years, $14 million, which I thought was like a stunner at the time. Like I thought there was no chance yeah. he was coming back, uh, to the Eagles there. So, uh, just, uh, again, it's like, we usually focus on all the big stuff. And like, when you go out, when I, I don't go out to all the practices. So I go out and I do little things. I'm like, oh yeah, forgot about this. Forgot about this. I remember last year at the Super Bowl. I'm like, is that Greg Ward? Wait, Greg Ward is still uh, <laughs> around the franchise. I, still I hanging around. That. Yeah. <laughs> still hanging around. Good for him. Um, all right. Last thing I wanted to get to about the practice. And this is actually before practice. We heard from Nick Sirianni, EJ, and he was asked about which player has impressed you the most this spring. Now, my go-to question, EJ, back in the day, you can steal this if you want to, is I need it. At the yeah. beginning, <laughs> the, the beginning of training camp, you hit them with the, like who came back to camp, just like an impressive physical specimen. Like you could tell they were putting mm. the work in. Some coaches would, would like to answer it. Other coaches would just, I think Doug Peterson one year named literally like the entire roster. Doug, that doesn't exactly uh, help me, but uh, I appreciate yeah. you being nice about it. But Sirianni he just pulls was out the me. roster and is just like, hmm, <laughs> let's just go down this yeah. whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> there were definitely times where I would ask an open-ended question like that. And it would just be like, what name is in his head? Like it, he wasn't answering yeah. the question, but he was just like, oh, this guy's kind of on my mind today. Uh, but Nick Sirianni said Quez Watkins is the guy who has impressed him the most uh, this spring, you know, saying that. Quez Watkins is coming in with sort of the mentality that everybody thinks I stink. Everybody thinks the team should have upgraded the number three wide receiver role uh, and replaced me. Well, I'm here. I'm putting in the work. Now, uh, as you alluded to earlier, you are now a veteran of Nick Sirianni, uh, both press conferences, side sessions, off the records, whatever. Uh, do you put any stock into this at all uh, about Quez Watkins standing or how do you read him singling out uh, just that one player with his response. to it. Yeah. So being around Nick this long, I'm not sure if it is more about like the work that Quez Watkins has put in this off season, or if it's more about giving him that little boost, you know, giving him a little bit of confidence and, you know, kind of just like making it clear that they're with him. Um, you know, I'm sure Quez has played relatively well. I'm sure, he, I'm sure he hasn't been dropping five passes every practice, you know, Nick comes out and says that, but I do think that it, there it was, it, there was a point behind it. You know, I think that, um, and again, I, I mean, like I get that Quez, you know, the thing about Quez, it's like frustrating, but also like understandable is like, he's the fourth option. Now I think that sometimes like the coaching staff last year got a little bit cute trying to incorporate more Quez and more, you know, Kenny Gainwell touches. And instead of just like, you know, force feeding AJ De Dallas and Devante, which is like, 
you know, it's so it's like obvious. It's like you have these three really, really talented players. You know, they have limited touches. Like you don't need to get cute and like put in a Quez play. And like, you know, to me, like other than the fact that he has had a couple of like missed opportunities, like, you know, Quez is like exactly the type of third receiver you want with a team that's as loaded offensively as the Eagles, because, you know, he's the type of guy that defenses always have to respect because of his speed. But he's not really a guy that has a real case to say, like, I need six targets to in this game. I need eight targets. You know, like if he gets one target a game, you know, he doesn't really have a lot, a lot of like status in the league to really make a big fuss about it. You know, but I do think that, like, you know, it, if they had drafted another guy who had that profile, you know, like even Olamide Zacchaeus, like I think he might be a, an interesting guy to watch because I think that's the battle for that third receiver spot is between those two guys. You know, you just need a guy who doesn't have a lot of like, profile a lot of sway if they go two two straight games without any targets they can't really say a whole lot um but yeah i do think that getting back to your question like i think what nick nick did today was probably more about giving him like that little boost before before he goes off and uh you know into the offseason and comes back for training camp more than maybe like him having like this you know really hot stretch you know i asked jalen hurts about him uh after practice and you know he, he said all the right things you know he's working hard and you know he's not letting the outside noise get to him so I think that, you know, Nick and Jalen are aware that Quez has taken a lot of heat. I think they saw that, you know, Quez kind of responded to it on social media. And I think they want not only I think they almost want to manifest it, you know, like, again, not saying that he hasn't, but I think they want him to feel like, oh, yeah, we see that you're not letting this get to you. Like, it's not getting to you. Right. Like, I think that that's probably yeah. part of it. So, yeah, I think even uh, before they traded for A.J. Brown, I, mean, I think they were kind of uh the reporters about the wide receiver situation, right? Like, why are you guys like, you know, obsessed yeah. with this? Like, we like, we like who we have here. And then like a month later or whenever yeah. it was, they traded for AJ Brown. So you definitely have to take that uh, kind of thing with a grain of salt. I mean, I, I tend to agree with what you said. Like, I don't think Quez Watkins played well last year and he certainly like let the team down in certain situations, but mm-hmm. it's the fourth pass catching option on the team. You know, you're not going to, you're not going to get like uh, Jamar Chase or Stefan Diggs for this role. Like, you know, you need, it's like you said, you kind of have to thread that needle a little bit between someone who can be reliable and dependable enough and bring some type of skill set to the table that you don't have. And also someone who's not going to be like, why am I not getting the ball? Because if AJ yeah. Brown's not getting the ball, we saw last year, he's not going to be happy. Uh, Devonte Smith, I think doesn't show it as much as AJ Brown publicly, but he would not be happy. I think we know enough about how competitive he is and just frankly, how freaking good he is that he would not be happy. And like, you know, I I was uh, covering the team when Dallas Goddard first got drafted. And I can tell you for a fact, his like first week on the job, he thought he was better than Zach Ertz. Like he's a very confident guy. (laughs) Like, like Zach Ertz was one of the best tight ends in the NFL and Goddard immediately. (laughs) Like he didn't come out and say that ever, but you know, you can just kind of read body language and sense a guy's confidence. And he thought he was any, he, any, he, it's a great tight end. I mean, he's a top five tight mm-hmm. end for sure uh, in the NFL. So there are so many mouths to feed. Like, that's why we talked about the DeAndre Hopkins stuff previously. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, you're not going to be able to keep all yeah. these guys uh, happy. And so I'm looking at Quez's numbers now. The big thing last year, he only averaged 10.7 yards per reception, where, you know, previously, the, the previous year, he was up over 15 yards per reception. Like you said, you think of him as mm-hmm. that speed guy who can get downfield and that element 
wasn't totally there for them last year, but it's a small sample. That doesn't mean it's not going to be there um, this year where maybe you just take, you know, once a game, if you get the coverage you want uh, and and he can get downfield on a deep over route or whatever, you throw the ball to him. But um, yeah, I thought that was a interesting nonetheless that Nick Sirianni singled him out. Let me ask you, uh, Quez had 354 receiving yards last year. He had 647 in 2021. I will set the over under. Now keep in mind, this is this another thing here. AJ Brown and Devontae Smith started every game last year. So yeah. I, I was looking at um adjusted games lost from football outsiders where they measure like how injured each team was. Yeah. And now they break it down by unit. And only the Vikings were healthier wide receiver than the Eagles last year. So like you're probably yeah. not going to get the same injury luck. And like Quez right. or someone With is going to Yeah. Yeah. With a guy yeah, who's injury, Brown, right? who's had been injury prone in his career in AJ Brown too. Yeah, so no doubt. Yeah, so Quez is probably gonna have to play at some point. So initially, I had this over under EJ at four hundred. I'm gonna bump it up a little bit based on that little nugget that there could be like you know maybe three games. Hopefully not not more than that uh, for the Eagles' sake, where he has to play a lot. Let's make it four hundred and thirty nine receiving yards for Quez Watkins in 2023. Are you going over or under that number? I'm going to take the under, you know, that's, it's a tough okay. one. You set the line very well, but to me, it's like, unless one of the guys has a season ending injury, like if there's a stretch of three or four weeks where, you know, AJ is banged up or Devante's banged up, they're just going to force feed the other one. And that, and Dallas yeah. Goddard's going to get those touches. And, you know, I mean, I do think that like the way that they, the game script so often led to them not passing a lot last year. So I think that passing yards could be up in general, but like, as far as like Quez specifically, I mean, especially when you account for the fact that, like, you know, if he has a really rough camp, he's just not going to play. Like, Olamide Zacchaeus is a guy who can play, you know, and especially as, like, a slot only. Um, so, I don't know. If one of those guys gets hurt, I could see him, you know, smashing this over, which is the, the risk. But I could also see a scenario where, like, you know, one of those guys gets hurt and he doesn't play that much. Or he just, if those guys don't get hurt, I could really see him having even fewer yards just because there's going to be just as many mouths to feed. And I think especially as these guys get more comfortable with each other, it's probably going to be even more of a demand, you know, for like, well, if AJ doesn't have a, a, a stretch of games where he gets the ball, is he going to be a little bit more comfortable this year to say, hey, I need the ball? You know, Devontae's yeah. getting to a point where he's going to have a contract year coming up. Like, you know, obviously we're a couple years away from that. But even as these guys, just as their relationships develop, I could see them becoming even more high target guys. So um, it's definitely a tough one, you know, like, because I mean, if there's a stretch of four games where Quez is the second or third option, it only takes a couple of, you know, deep passes from Jalen Hurts to to make those numbers a lot more attainable. But I would take the under just because of all the factors that, you know, are on that side. It's a great point on AJ Brown. I mean, he was in year one having an all pro season. The team was amazing. <laughs> and like it was the giant it was a Giants game, right? Where he was and they're killing the Giants. Yeah, it was a playoff game. They won was, by like 40 was, oh, points. The playoff game. Okay, yeah. I didn't even remember that. It was the playoff game. Okay, so he was upset in that situation. Now picture it. The offense isn't humming, maybe, as well as it was last year. Maybe the team's not as good as it was last year. Maybe he doesn't mm -hmm. have the same numbers as he had. Yeah, you're right. Like, I mean, those... It, like last year was the ideal situation really for AJ right. Brown. Like it's pro it may not ever get better than that. It could be as good as that. He's a young player and he's an awesome player and he's got a great connection with Jalen Hurts. But in terms of frustration, it's like 
that should have been the situation where you're like the least frustrated you've ever been in your career. And he was still frustrated. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, that's something to keep an eye on. And then Zacchaeus, you mentioned uh, a couple times, I was going to ask you this, like what percentage, give me a percentage chance that Zacchaeus outsnaps Quez Watkins if they're both healthy. Like, do you see this? Are you going into training camp being like, Zacchaeus could just flat out win the number three receiver job. Are you, are you, is that a little bit too far for you? Where, where do you come down uh, on that possibility? Give me like a 30, 35% chance. I feel like there, there's a real chance. Like I think he's a good player. Um, you know, I think he could play some meaningful snaps. The thing that's holding me back from going higher is like the Eagles did really want uh, the Zach Pascal thing to work last year. I think they like yeah. having a, a supersized slot, a guy who can, you know, do some of the dirty work. And Alameda Zacchaeus is just a smaller guy. I don't have his measurements in front of me, but he's not, you know, he's not the dirty work slot player. Um, and the other thing I think is kind of working against him is like Nick Sirianni is like, you know, they always talk about the two schools of thought when it comes to wide receiver groups. Like some coaches want a basketball team. You know, they want smaller guys, shifty guys, like, you know, guards, and they want those guys who can post you up and, you know, win with contested catches like power forwards. Um, Nick's the other way. Like he wants interchangeable guys. He doesn't want a slot only, you know, and I think that's going to hurt Alameda in the scheme of like, if they're on 11, they want three receivers who can all line up at different places. You know, AJ has done a lot of damage out of the slot. Devante can, you know, did a lot of damage, especially with the slot fades. You know, I can just vividly see him doing that against the Giants and catching that, that go ball or that slot fade over uh, Julian Love. Like, you know, he's all those guys like to operate out of the slot from time to time. I think that it's part of Nick Sirianni's offense to be able to kind of surprise teams with his tendencies and, you know, kind of mix it in. So I think Olamide might be a little bit uh, limited by that. You know, the fact that he's not necessarily an outside guy. But again, like, you know, if Quez struggles and Olamide is giving you quality uh, play out of the slot, like I could see him outstapping Quez in games this year for sure. Um, and then maybe it's, it's like if you want that super size slot option, you just put Dallas Goddard in the slot and go out of 12. So, um, you know, I think that they'll have the, that flexibility. Um, but I think Quez just the fact that he's more interchangeable, I know that's like what Nick Sirianni prefers out of his receivers. Yeah, Quez gives them more speed, you know, theoretically. But I feel like his bad plays are whether it's, you know, didn't finish on a play or didn't run a route precisely as they wanted. It. You, know, you know what I mean? Like they kind of stand out. Yeah. And so there's that, like you can see a scenario where they're just like, all right, enough of that. Uh, Zacchaeus had over 500 receiving yards last year. You know, to your point, this isn't right. like, yeah. you know, somebody who hasn't done anything. 500 receiving yards. It's not like easy to get uh, in the NFL, even though I know the Falcons didn't have uh, a lot of wide receiver help last year, but they also didn't have great quarterback play. So uh, that's not nothing. So I think, I think your number's right. Yeah. I was going to, in my head, as I was asking it, I was like, yeah, I don't think it's 50, 50, but I was going to say around 30, you know, 35 ish percent. And it's one of those things that if it happens, like, I don't think it's going to shock anybody. And I think it was a smart signing because um, it's good. Again, it sets kind of that floor where if Quest isn't giving you what you want, now you have uh, another option there. I forgot to ask you earlier on the Ellis thing. Give me a, give me a percentage that Christian Ellis is a starter at some point this year, not due to injury. So Nicobe Dean and Nick Morrow are healthy, but, but they say based on just, you know, we like, it doesn't have to be week one. It could be week nine or something where somebody's struggling that he ends up, uh, starting at least one game for this team, just based on, um, quality of play and that he's earned it. So 
I have one question before I give you my percentage. What if like it's an injury yeah. and he gets in and he plays well, and then the the guy's healthy and they stick with Ellis? Does that still count under this purview? That counts. Yeah, if he holds on to the job after okay. the other guy gets healthy, it counts. Yes, hundred percent. Give me like give me fifty percent. I I think that there's a real chance Ooh, here. Like I like. I it. I feel like okay. you know I know the Eagles do care about draft pedigree. But I think like Reed Blankenship showed us last year, and I feel like it's it's a good like example. It's like if a guy can play, like you know, if a guy shows that he can play in every opportunity you give him, like then he can play. You know, it's like I always say this with Reed. It's like you know he's play, he played really like really well for an undrafted guy. He played well generally. I agree. like you know yeah he was like playing meaningful snaps for them in the playoffs. So to me, it's like uh, that guy, like you know. Like, if you can trust him, you can trust him. So I know that the pedigree is not there. Um, but the Eagles linebacker situation is just so in flux. And who knows? Maybe they'll make a move at linebacker that may, that takes his way down. You know, if like if they right. can add somebody right before training camp starts, which, you know, I, I don't think you can rule out. But I do think he has a chance here. I think he's got a good chance. So uh, I would say 50 percent, like especially like what what I know of him, which admittedly is growing now, but was not very much going into going into the it was like, more least than last I season. Knew, so don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but like at least at the very least, he strikes me as a guy who's been taking advantage of his opportunities. And like, those are the guys that stick. So I would say like 40, 50%. Like, I think that there is a chance that he could play some meaningful snaps for the Eagles this year. I like it. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, it's just an eye opener that like, yeah, this position is pretty wide open. If someone can come out and play well, uh, they're really going to going to have an, an opportunity. So uh, again, mm-hmm. that'll be someone we're watching in training camp. All right, did I forget anything, EJ? I mean, did I? Miss, Jay, by the way, Jalen Hurts threw a beautiful dime to Devonte Smith down the right sideline. I don't want to make it seem like Jalen Hurts was a disaster. And I mean, he, he had two interceptions, but honestly, who cares? You watched the entire season last year. Quarterbacks work <laughs> on stuff in practice. Even if he wasn't, uh, you should not uh, take anything out of that. So I wanted to make sure I got that out of the yeah. way. Anything else uh, stick out to you from uh, from practice today? Uh, um, I'm going through. I'm going through my notes. One thing I did uh, make note of is like you know, so to to bring people behind the curtain, like we have a up close view of like the defensive backs during practice. Um, and defensive linemen are kind of off to the corner, you know, it's like, it's right. just the, the way that practice is set up. Like you get a very like personal look at like the defensive back. So, you know, one thing I tried to do today is just kind of like take note of like who was smooth in and out of their breaks, you know, just like, cause it's right in front of me and like Sidney Brown, like, you know, a, he's like built, like he's, you know, a box safety. Like he's obviously a little bit of a smaller guy, but he's really, really solidly built. And like, he's, he's really smooth in and out of his breaks. Like, you know, I know the Eagles are really high on him. Like, you know, the, the, the stuff they've said publicly about him being a red star player. And, you know, they, I think they really are like bullish on him. I think they want him on the field. So, you know, as we talk about the safety competition, like I think at some point you're going to see Sidney Brown in the starting lineup just because they, they really are. Like, I think they're really high on him. Um, You know, he's just like, I mean, they drafted him. He's a, what the first safety off the board or second safety off the board. Um, you know, they drafted him early in the third round. I think you're going to see him and, you know, I, I can kind of see like the traces of why today, you know, just watching him in and out of breaks, you know, just kind of like, okay, like this guy really does move really well. So, um, he's still with the third team mostly. So, you know, it's not like this is some imminent thing. I know that Jim Schwartz used to talk a lot about how, you know, safeties and linebackers take a long time to kind of develop, but I do, I think you're going to see him on the field at some point. Yeah. And in the spring, I mean, coaches rarely at least in my experience, and they're not going to throw a rookie out there 
with yeah. the first team. All right, so let, that that reminded me. All right, let's finish with these three questions. Two are Eagles related. One is nonsense because I know you like you come on, you <laughs> like a little nonsense, and I like your opinions uh, on the nonsense. So let's let's follow on that one. Uh, starting safeties, let's say for the most games this year. So I'm not going to say week one. The, when we look back at kind of the pro football reference page at the end of the year and we say which two safeties started the most games for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, who do you have there? That is a really good question. I think I'm going to go against like the conventional wisdom here. Like, I think it's going to be Reed Blankenship and Sidney Brown. Like Terrell Edmonds, like you. he's kind of the, he's kind of, yeah, he's kind of the adult in the room. He's kind of like, okay, like this guy could start. Yeah. But like, we've seen that before, like with Anthony Harris and like, you know, we've seen like them bring in these guys and it's just like, I think the continuity with Reed might actually matter a little bit more. And I do, I think that like, that's not a, like a big name defensive secondary, like having those two guys on the back end. But I do think like, I think Reed can play and I think they're really high on Sydney. So I think, you know, it, it might week one, it might be Edmonds and Blankenship, but like by like week six or seven, I could see them being like, you know what? Sydney's like, Sydney's the guy, like we're going to trust him. You know, he's played really well. Um, you know, so yeah, I think if you ask me like, like all over the long haul, I think that, uh, yeah, I take, uh, Sydney and, uh, Reed Blankenship. I agree. Yeah. I think Bl- Blankenship, so I don't want to make him out to be an all pro or anything, but I've said this previously when you're an undrafted rookie free agent and you're asked to start at safety and like, you're not a, uh, a liability. That's actually a huge thing. Like at safety, uh, yeah. specifically. You know, those are guys that could get picked on very easily, give up big plays. Anyone who's followed the Eagles over the last 20 years knows that when you don't have safeties who are up to it, I mean, it stands out. Like it's even, even in Gannon's scheme where they're playing 25 yards off the line of scrimmage, uh, it's still, it's still <laughs> going to stand out, uh, eventually. So I think I agree with you. Yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb there too and say, it's going to be a blanket chip and Brown. All right. That was question one. Question two. Where are you at with Jordan Davis? Like this is, I mean, to me, that's just like might be the most interesting guy when it comes to training camp who could really swing your defense in one direction or the other. I think he spoke recently, right, to the media, uh, did, Jordan yeah. Davis. Um, like, are you in the camp of like throw last year out the window? This guy's going to be a beast uh, this year. Are you in the, oh, I'm really concerned. Like, I don't like what I've seen. Are you somewhere in between? Where are you with him going into year two? I'm definitely somewhere in between, but I do think that like, it's not a coincidence that the Eagles run defense was very good at the beginning of the season, the first half of the season with him in there. And then the injury kind of just like seemed to just derail it for the rest of the year. So I don't think we've seen enough like bad tape from Jordan Davis to suggest that he would be like a liability. But what I do think is like, I think that this process of him becoming a, a an impactful pass rusher is maybe like going to take a few more, maybe a year or two longer than we expected. You know, like uh, when he got drafted, I think the, the the line was like, oh, he just didn't get asked to pass rush, but he can do it. You know, like, yeah. you know, just because Georgia was rotating those guys in and out so much. And the big question was like, could he do it? Or was Georgia keeping him off the field for a reason? Um, and I think that last year, like he showed that he's not really there as a pass rusher quite yet. Um, and I also think like, you know, they really made this claim that he could play different spots. You know, he could play three technique. He could bump all the way out to four eye because of the athlete that he is. I'm not sure that he really unlocked that yet. Um, so I mean, I still like, I wouldn't say I'm concerned about it at all because I think like, you know, drafting a 340 pound man who moves that well makes sense. You know, like I think like, am I allowed to curse on here? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. we, so just, we keep it clean with Solak, but yeah, go ahead. We warn the you just audience. Want, I mean, it's not even a bad word. You, yeah. you just want ass kickers, you know? You just want ass kickers up there. And I think that that's what you expect this to get from Jordan Davis. Um, so, yeah, I just like, I think that even if he's like an early down guy this year who makes an impact on run on running plays and, you know, gives you like very, very little as a pass rusher, obviously like that's not, we can have a real conversation about the value of that as a first round pick. Right. But I still think the upside is there. Um, I mean, I think that him and Jalen Carter together is exactly what you want. Like, you know, Jalen Carter as that, you know, athletic four eye who can disrupt and get upfield and everything else. I think those two guys are complimentary. I think the Jalen Carter edition kind of insulates him a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I guess like it depends on what you're asking me to expect from him. Like I expect him to be an early down difference maker who probably isn't making an impact on passing downs. And again, if that's all he is for the rest of his career, like that is a concern because it's like you can get guys like Linval Joseph off the street to do, a, a, you know, pretty much the same exact thing. But, you know, I think that he's the type of guy who's going to have an impact again against the run, at least this year. And maybe he does unlock something. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, I think that he really does have the upside for that, but maybe it's not right away. Yeah, I, I gave, I think, the just some examples during one of our uh, off-season pods. Of it, it does take time with defensive tackles, no doubt. Like yeah. There are guys uh, who are really good now who were not really good uh, as rookies. So a uh, spotlight's going to be on him this year. Last year, like you said, he had the injury. Team's going to the Super Bowl. No one's paying attention. You know, if that's like a seven yeah. and ten team, then every you know, there's people are probably panicking uh, about Jordan Davis. But uh, I think it's fair to be patient with him. It seems like he has the right makeup and work ethic. We know he has the tools, the size, and athleticism, which has really never been seen before yeah. by a human being uh, in the NFL. <laughs> now it's kind of your job to unlock it. So we'll one, see what he does. One yeah. thing I want to add there is like. I, the one thing that I don't get is like the Eagles have talked a lot and he's talked a lot about like, oh, they want me to drop weight. They want me to be down at like 310, 320. It's like, isn't what makes this guy special? The fact that he's huge and he can move so well. Like, why? Interesting. Like, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. And like, he's like, you know, he and I, I say this like as someone who's seen him a couple of times because he's obviously like a freak of nature. But it's like he's built almost more like a basketball player. Like he's got these long limbs and like, you know, he's yeah. kind of like. He doesn't like carry it the same way. Like Jordan Mailata, like is the most proportionate 400 pound human being I've ever seen in my life. Like, <laughs> and, you know, his like, he just looks, he looks like a literally just like you, like, you know how, like if you're like in a Microsoft word or PowerPoint or whatever, you know how, like if you can like drag the corner, if you don't hold yeah. shift, it gets all right. Like with, with Jordan Mailata, it looks like you held shift. Like it's like everything grows at yeah. the same proportion, but Jordan Davis isn't quite like that. So maybe that's part, partly why they want him to get down a little bit. But like, to me, it's like, he's special because he's huge. You know, like you don't want him to drop 20, 30 pounds and what is he going to get faster? Like he's already fast enough at that position. So yeah, no, I got to get my takes off. Sorry. No, that, that's good. I actually, I actually didn't know that they, that, that, uh, they had talked about that. So see, this is why I like having you on. You give us the, uh, information from your boots on the ground, uh, reporting. Yeah. I tend to kind of lead, especially with what you like, what you mentioned, what his role is probably going to be this year, right? Yeah. It's like you know, like you kind of want the the big dude uh, in the middle. Like I, I mean, I think most people, I would be shocked if he had like five sacks, and that would be a yeah. great development for them. But I think that you know, you're probably reaching if you think he's going to have uh, five plus sacks 
uh, this year. That's probably not going to be where he's going to help you. Like that other aspect of his game is going to be a work in progress. So is this the time to be uh, dropping that weight? But who knows? We don't we don't know exactly how Sean Desai wants to play it up front. Sure. Yeah. You know wh- how they want to use him. Maybe they want him to be more versatile, like you said, which we haven't seen yet. But maybe they think that'll unlock um, some of that potential. So we'll see. All right, my last uh, question here, EJ. I come home. My wife is seated. We have two recliners in like the, in on the living room. Okay. She's seated on one recliner. Her feet are up, but she's not reclined. She's using an ottoman from the couch to put her feet up with the recliner. Now, I, as a recliner aficionado, going back, you know, I've always had some type of recliner uh, in the living room in my seating arrangement, even when I was living. Uh, in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, my first job out of college, I literally had one piece of furniture in the living room and it was my green recliner and I would sit there and watch TV. That's all I had. Uh, I thought this was odd. I said, why are you using the ottoman? You're in a recliner, just reclining. Literally, that's the beauty of the recliner is you put your feet up like that. Don't use the ottoman. He told, you know, she was not, that was not going to be a long conversation where she was willing to uh, explain herself. But I wanted to get uh, your take on whether you think this is a, a violation, an odd thing to do, or whether you could see any advantages from it. Total violation. I got two things <laughs> on this. <laughs> no offense to Mrs. Capati, but total violation. Um, my dad has like a very old recliner that he's had for like, you know, since I lived there, that. which is a while ago. Yeah. And like... The, his his like the recliner part like the part where your legs go doesn't even work anymore like you know <laughs> you have to like hold the thing to keep your feet up yeah. and even though that thing's broken we still put our feet on that you just have to like you kind of have to like tense up your core to keep your legs from pushing it down oh, so yeah. you always got to use the recliner and you know what i will say is that like wife couch violations are not exclusive to you um Uh-oh. so we've got like a chase <laughs> right like we've got you know, the three cushions. And then we have the one that extends. So you can kind of like lounge on that one. Yeah. And my wife, man, she loves sleeping. So like she uses the spot next to the chase, but then she lays across the rest of the couch. And it's like, what do you have the chase for? <laughs> you're not even touching. <laughs> Sometimes I'll like, I'll like, you know, draw the line. I'm like, you're not even, your feet aren't even on the chase. Like you get over <laughs> to the other side of the couch. Like you don't know how to use the couch. So, uh, yeah. you know, you're not the only one who's, uh, who's dealing with some some violations in that, in that regard. <laughs> God, I love how ready you were for that question. Like you literally had your own wife couch take, uh, all prepared. Yeah. And I'm with you, you know, to back you. Listen, women support women. We support women, but in this case, you know, I, I'm with, uh, just speaking just for this specific case. Yeah. I'm with each. I mean, that's why the chase is there. If you're using the yeah. chase and then extending elsewhere, like you're kind of taking, you know, you're, you're using too many aspects uh yeah the couch there i don't think that's exactly because now i'm sitting yeah. here with my feet on right. the ground what are you gonna do like, yeah. yeah right i got no options here yeah <laughs> <laughs> i love it outstanding yeah. beautiful beautiful answer from you all right now ej is a pro he put it i was gonna say give me your twitter handle but you put your twitter handle here uh <laughs> so i can read it ej smith 94 ej does an awesome job covering the eagles for the inquirer ej what do you what do you have to plug here uh before we say goodbye to you um, just go back and read the, the work I did before the Super Bowl because, uh, you know, obviously <laughs> we're about to go in like hibernation mode here. I don't have any, anything <laughs> cooking right now, but yeah, I got lots of work I'm proud of. So, I mean, if you can find that, uh, and like you, you always kind of 
let your viewers in behind the curtain, like, uh, you know, go on my story, you know, stay on it for a while, open up a different tab, you know, like yeah. watch a movie, just, just give me some engagement time. You know, that's always helpful. And if you're feeling like subscribing one day, just, you know, just click on my story and then subscribe, you know, that, that, that always helps me out. So there you go. <laughs> Do that. Subscribe through EJ, uh, leave the tabs open. Yes. Yeah, scroll yeah. up and down grab somebody else's device, open up the story uh, on that, maybe leave some comments in there. <laughs> if you, if you want to go above, if you really love this episode, listen, you could find, uh, you know, EJ's editors at the inquiry. You can find some emails <laughs> and just let them know how much you enjoy uh, EJ's work. I think that would be nice too. And of course, during training camp, EJ will do a bang up job, boots on the ground there every day. Uh, at practice. So, uh, EJ, we, listen, we haven't had many return guests. Uh, you killed it as usual, which, uh, you know, that's bad news for you. It's, we're going to bug you more, uh, probably, and ask <laughs> you to come on as a guest more. But uh, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we'll take another quick little break, and then we'll finish the show with Cliff's group chat, where uh, I think Cliff has some Gannon takes to fire off, maybe some <laughs> Philly Sixers related. I don't know what's going on, but stay tuned for that. We'll be back in a moment on the Ringers Philly special. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. All right, we're back. That was awesome. EJ is the man. Definitely check out uh, his work. Love having him on. And now we get my friend, the ace producer, Cliff Augustine. Cliff, I don't even know where you're going this week. I mean, we were doing planning for the show this week and we're like, Sixers, there's not much going on. Uh, Phillies, we're, we're getting into even more. They're actually, as we record this, uh, about to play the Detroit Tigers. So that part might be a little uh, outdated, but we can still talk about them uh, in general. But what is on your mind, my friend? What is, you know, the group chat? Is it quiet? I know it's never, I'm not even going to ask if it's quiet because I know it's never quiet. What are, what are the people talking about this week? Man, this is peak NFL offseason. We got guys talking about <laughs> dudes pushing sleds and breaking sleds. We got, <laughs> you know, people talking about, hey, I want AJ Brown to play first base for the Phillies. I mean, this is just peak NFL June offseason. People aren't on vacation just yet, but they're in their house starving <laughs> for some type of content. So, you know, uh, you know, as we do, as me and you do, as professionals we are, as the Philly vets we are, we, we try to give the people what they want, right? So here, here's another edition of Gannon Watch. Like, I need, oh first of all, gosh. I need your opinion. Like, what? how are we going to make Gannon Watch, like, a thing? Like, we need, we need to have like a sound like we need we need something we need gannon watch like we can you give me something. your best yes can you give me your best like gannon watch something like that 
Yeah, I could probably do. Yeah, I think I could. I'm happy to be the voice. I mean, I, I've always wanted to be like a narrator on these audiobooks. Like, if there are any authors out there, like, I'm not going to try. I think that would be fun. Now, you have the, like the voice professionals. I'm not that uh, by any means. But yeah, I think I could cook something up. I think you could do the production and make it sound well. I agree with you. We need some kind of production for Ganon Watch because, Cliff, we've had something on this like every week. In the off season, I mean, the season had he, like he's literally not doing anything, and we have news on him uh, every week. So yeah, once the season starts, we're gonna have plenty there. But how, what do, what could we possibly have with Gannon Watch on June eighth? So this is something that you texted me earlier today, <laughs> and I, I literally I saw this and I was just like, you you gotta be kidding me! You absolutely have to be kidding me! And oh, Vic Fangio here, who is the the now DC at uh for the Miami Dolphins. Um, you know, under Mike McDaniel's coach over in Miami Dolphins. And today he was asked a very, very interesting question. And you immediately saw this and you had to send this to me right away. So we're going to let the people hear and uh, we're going to react to this. We had a report a couple of weeks back that if not for the Jonathan Gannon tampering situation, you would have been the Eagles D coordinator. Is there any truth to that? Can you comment on that? Uh, that's possible, but I won't neither confirm nor deny it. What has been your impression when you see? If you couldn't hear the audio, he was asked. Uh, you know, there was a report that if if it wasn't for the Gannon situation, um, there was a report that you would have been the Eagles' defensive coordinator. <laughs> and he said, "It's possible. I can neither conform, confirm, nor deny that." Which Cliff, as you said, we are veterans, we are professionals. That is a cold hard. Uh, yes, that is one hundred percent the case. Also, by the way, telling that he's like admitting that because that obviously makes Gannon look bad you know to come out and, and sort of uh admit it so yeah I, I can only imagine what your reaction was to that I said are you kidding me is this guy serious <laughs> he he messed us up getting Vic Fangio a known great DC been in the league for you know God knows how long been in the league since yeah I feel like the 60s now you know like back when Bart Starr was playing but but this guy ruined it for us again like what how like how do we get rid of the stench of Jonathan Gannon? Like how is everything he's done just affected us so negatively? It's insane. Like, chill. What has this guy done for us? You know, beyond la- listen, beyond last year being a-, a solid defensive year as far as the sack numbers go, and and guys having you know pretty you know career years in the front seven, but then getting torched in the secondary, and then being one of the causes of helping us lose the Super Bowl. Like everything is just compounding up on Jonathan Gannon just being the blame for multiple things. And now this, it, it's, I mean, we, we knew it already, but like for Fangio to basically be like, you know what, like kind of had a deal in place because like we kind of yeah. knew this was going to happen. And for him to just be like, I'm not going to confirm nor deny. I mean, that dude is like 80 years old. Like, of course he's jumping. He's, you know, he's skipping around the question because he doesn't <laughs> want to look like the bad guy. And and Vic Fangio is a, a genius. Like he's he's a defensive guru. Desai is a, Desai is a uh, is a descendant of um of Vic Fangio's defense. You know he knows the system. They obviously they're, they're not the same exact guy, but Desai learned under Fangio. And it's just like, I, if you guys saw my face right now, I'm just like, this is insane. This guy's done like eight different things wrong for us since the Super Bowl. Yeah, before that. Just as defense is being weak on, you know, weak against great quarterbacks, even before that. And now this, it's just like, how, how, how many lingering effects does this guy have for us? Like, what, what, what are we waiting for next? Like, next thing you know, we're going to be like, next thing you know, I, I, here, here's, here's what's next. Here's what's next. 
Buda Baker, we had a deal for Philly, had him ready to go to Philly to be the next <laughs> starting safety for the Eagles. And, you know, Jonathan Gannon was like, nah, I don't want him going over there. So they keep Buda Baker, waste another year of his of that dude's talented career just to just to be left in Arizona and rot while Kyle Murray, uh, you know, returns from an ACL injury. Like that's the next that's the next thing that's going to happen. I bet I trust like it's there's something else waiting to fall in line. I don't know what it is, but it's just going to make me even more angry. Sure. What do you think about this? Yeah, there's always uh, been been uh, been something. That, but I will say this. Like uh, Solak and I have gotten a lot of things wrong. We're what ten months into the uh, <laughs> podcast, but history will look kindly upon our Jonathan Gannon takes during the Super Bowl season. Y'all, y'all went at him. Like, Solak and I disagree on a lot of things, as yeah. everyone who listens uh, can attest to. That was one thing. We're really from the start through the end. We're even when the defense was playing great. We're kind of like we're not going all in crediting uh, this guy. So I feel good about the Philip Ringer Philly special. Uh, with that. So how can we lose the stench of it? Uh, we're both Sean Desai guys. You got the Temple connection. Temple, sure. I got the Sports, sports Indian, Indian connection. Yeah. I think Matter of fact, know, when are we going to get him on? When are we going to get him on? I know. We got we got to talk to him. When are you going to get him on? You know, I got to get like I got to get Nagandi to start the Sports Indian uh group chat, but and then you know, <laughs> you need to in there. Yeah, you guys and, need yeah, a, we need a, to a do Slack something. channel. <laughs> Our buddy Fran Duffy uh, from PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Great interview. Did a I great inter- interview yeah. with Desai. You listen to that? Yeah, I thought that was awesome. And so if you're talking about getting rid of the stench of Gannon, like Desai really seems like a... De- when it sounds like a well-adjusted person talking as a coach, it really stands out in the NFL because most of them are maniacs. And he was just like answering questions honestly, talking about his coaching philosophy. So I would encourage everyone to listen to that uh, Eagle Eye on the Sky podcast. Uh, Fran Duffy interviewing Desai because I thought he came off uh, as really likable, really smart, really sure. humble, like somebody uh, who could be really good uh, for this defense. So there you go. Real quick, actually, um, I was I was reading some quotes about him too, and I think uh, I think it was Nick Murrow and him and Murrow, I believe, actually have a have a history together. I think there's like a Chicago, Chicago. yeah, but um, him and Murrow, they were Murrow's like, yeah, like this dude's in meetings, like calling people out, like, hey, what do you do? What is this person like? For instance, right? Let's say like. Jordan Davis is in on this on this package right here, and he's like, "Hey, what is the safety doing on this on this play?" Like he's calling guys out, like saying, "Like, hey, what's this guy's assignment?" Like you have to know like everyone's assignment. So I do like that from Desai. I feel like, you know, I, I like the the younger mind, been around a you know been around a lot of players. Like that dude's been around you know Pete Carroll, Fangio. He's been in Chicago. He's been in big markets. Been with dudes that been in the league forever. Like just some great minds. So I really do trust him. Plus. Uh, he, he is an owl, you know what I'm saying. So that's that's yeah. why I got that, I got that respect and love for him too. So I'm, I can't wait to see honestly what he does with this defense. There's a lot of moving parts, as we know. We talked about this on the previous pod, or no, we talked about this on the Fanduel TV segment. Sorry, there's a lot of moving parts yeah. uh, with the Eagles defense. So I, I'm I'm excited to see what he does and what he brings in and what type of what type of flavor he brings in on defense. He says he wants the defense to to pretty much be like a fast physical defense, and man, we've been yearning for that quite some time and I think I thought we you know we got similar to that last year especially with Garner Johnson Hargrave and a and a great you know solid secondary um you know okay linebackers but you know if they get even more physical and we see what these Georgia Bulldogs do on defense uh, sky's the limit man so uh it's all it's all here for the taking we'll see what he does I'm excited for yeah. it I like I like listen I like the side you know Fangio would have been great obviously and no disrespect to decide, I think, you know, I think Fangio would have been like, oh my goodness, like this is like, 
Well, how yeah. do you really, really stop? People would have been excited about that. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. He's like, done it. Really re- Did decide more of an unknown, but uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what he does. All right, what do we got? What's next? What's next? All right, so Madden covered, right? I had I I, I, I saw I don't a bunch know of anything about this. All right, did, what do you got? We saw we saw I saw a bunch of tweets from you know people in the NFL world and especially Eagles fans. And I got a bunch of texts from my friends. It was actually an argument going on there about why didn't Jalen Hurts get the Madden cover over Josh Allen? I'm just like, this is, we are just peak off season mode right now. This is just, this is, are you serious? Now we're complaining. We're complaining about the Madden cover. This is where we've gotten now in the off season where we're complaining that Jalen Hurts and he got snubbed for the freaking Madden cover. This is oh. where we're at. First of all, I think this is great for the Eagles because that means you, and you know, you know, Jalen Hurts is like this. He'll use anything to motivate himself. Like, not getting MVP is probably motivation going into this year. Not winning the Super Bowl, going to the Super Bowl is definitely motivation for this year. I feel like there's, like, another addition to that. Now it's like, oh, I don't get the Madden cover, but I probably had somewhat better numbers than Josh Allen, (laughs) you know? Like, now that, like, that's an extra piece of motivation. On top of that, like, you avoid the curse. Like, we know in the long history of the Madden curse. I don't know in recent years if that's matched up uh, quite as much, but... Listen, there's a there's a long dated history of dudes getting that Madden cover and something crazy happening them to to them the very next season. So I'm happy about this, but like where where are you at with just like how how peak offseason we're in right now to where people have to argue about the Madden cover? Yeah, no, that is not happening on my uh, group threads, Cliff. <laughs> That's unique to your uh specific group there i didn't even know who was on the madden cover you were bringing it up i had uh no idea but i do think like and and we'll see this in the next four to five weeks this is a big time for like lists right they come out like all every media conference we'll have some uh on the ringer i'm gonna be doing some some rankings uh you know once uh we get to like august and some different projects i'm working on but this is kind of the time of year you see some of that stuff come out because it's like the content machine, you know, you need something to argue about and the NFL, there won't be any practices here in a week. So either it'll be a player getting in like off field, uh, issues, which hopefully there aren't too many, uh, of those, or it'll be, or it'll, or it'll just be rankings and lists. Yeah. I mean, Sirianni today, like in the middle of practice was just like, yeah, no, you know, stay out of trouble. was like, he basically was asked his message to the players as they leave here. And he's like, stay in shape and stay out of trouble. Uh, are the two things. So, um, yeah, I don't have anything more for you uh, on the Madden cover, but I do I do definitely agree that there's a sense among Eagles fans that hurts even after last year, even after the contract, is still not getting his, like, you know, rightful uh, yep. praise, his due uh, nationally in the landscape of quarterbacks. And honestly, again, we'll we'll get more into this in the summer. I think it's hard because they're, like, eight, nine, 10 quarterbacks who are really freaking good right now. And like whatever fan base you are, you're going to be mad about the other guys being ranked ahead of your guy. And I think like Hertz is obviously in that mix, but I look at a lot of these things and I'm like, I'm not like that fired up about, you know, quarterback X, Y, Z ahead of him because those guys are really good. And so much changes year to year. We haven't even talked about clip that Russell Wilson report. Yeah. How about that? Uh, that was from Greg Bishop in sports illustrated that basically said, the Eagles, like, we're kind of going all in on Russell Wilson to try to replace Jalen Hurts. I thought was ready to go. After, yeah, and, and Russell Wilson. And we've alluded to this on the Ringers Philly special. You know, I've said 
Uh, you know, I know for a fact they were interested in Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. I didn't know that much that it would like had gotten that far uh, down the road. But it just kind of goes to show you how much can change in a year because they went from potentially replacing Jalen Hurts with Russell Wilson to then signing Jalen Hurts to be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. So like you like I don't have an issue with people having different quarterback takes right now because guess what? Some of those a year from now uh, are going to look really smart because, uh, you know, you, you have to project a little bit and a lot of things change. Yeah, I mean, first of all, thank God that that didn't go through. Like we now, yeah. you know, because after Hertz's first year start, I was just like, I was still very much on the fence. Like I saw things that I really didn't like. And then obviously sure. last year, I mean, yeah, that obviously was normal. Like, yeah, that was normal. And people, you know, my friends, my best friends in, in these group chats, Dr. Richie, he used to air me out all the time in that first season when he's like, you know, Hertz still had a great season. You must be watching two different games because I thought it was, you know, okay. Um, but shout yeah. out to him. He, you know, Hertz, Hertz clearly improved and propelled himself into top, you know, seven, eight status in the NFL, um, you know, maybe even top five, depending on who you talk to. But um, yeah, like, thank God, honestly, thank God Russ is not here. That seems like a dumpster fire over there in Denver. They gave him a hell of a lot of money. I mean, we paid a younger guy, probably the better guy at this point in his career, more upside. Dude is just driven, kind of like, you know, Russ is super driven, but dude is like really driven. Like Russ is kind of, He's more oh, authentic. Jalen Hurts is definitely more authentic. Right, yeah. right, right. Russ connects Russ, with teammates, all those. Yeah, things. yeah. Russ is—he has the reputation of being corny, and then he had his own right. office at in Denver and whatnot. And uh, you know, a lot of dudes in Seattle, especially Legion of Boom, they haven't really spoken well about him since uh, the Seattle days. So, just to me, it doesn't seem like doesn't seem like a great. He seems like a good leader, but he doesn't seem like a great like teammate. Like he tries too hard to be like a teammate. I mean, everybody. Just from what you hear about the Eagles and from Eagles players, like everybody seems to just love Jalen Hurts. Like there's not one bad thing, negative thing said about him. Like you hear the reports, you know, he has the all woman team, the, the the communications lady, his agent, just everything he does, and he shows love to to food chaser. Shout out to Elkins Park. Anytime I should shout out Elkins Park on this podcast, I'm gonna do it. So he shows love to just the community in general, like. Just, just all the intangibles that you want, and and we, we found that in Jalen Hurts. And imagine if that Russ thing went through, and we didn't have Jalen Hurts, and then Russ had a season like he did last year in Denver. Like, what? Like, how was this podcast sounding? This is there would be listen. Crazy. It go, yeah, it goes to show you, like luck. You know, sometimes the deals you don't make. I mean, I've I've said Howie Roseman is probably on his best two year stretch as GM. But when I see some of the lists that are like, oh, he's far and away, you know, the best GM. And, and like when we were having the discussion about would you trade him for three first round picks? It's like, sometimes you get lucky. Like this could be a team with Russell Wilson and Allen Robinson. And listen, maybe with their offensive line and Devonte Smith, like they might've still won the division, even with as bad as Russ was last year, like in the Eagles offensive line with their coaching, with their receivers, maybe it wouldn't have looked as bad, but uh, certainly luck uh, plays a role in it. All right. Before I run off to Nia's Lion King performance, do you have anything else to uh, to 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 finish up with here, or have we gone through it all? Real quick, uh, you know, right now our fourth place Phillies, you know, they got this game against the Tigers coming up, and then after that, there's a three game set against the Dodgers, and there's a four game set against both two teams are the top dogs right now in the West. It's going to be a tough stretch for the Phillies who aren't really particularly hitting that well right now, but you know. Chill, what do you think about the Phillies right now? How are you feeling about, about them right now? Yeah, 
I'm actually feeling pretty good. Now, we're again, we're recording this as they close out their series against the Tigers. So we'll see if they complete the sweep or if they lose. But uh, you got June Schwarber. Is, it has arrived. So I'm yep. loving that. Uh, Trey Turner, that four-hit game, Cliff. I was like, oh, please let this be the turning point in his season. Because you can just see it. Like When he has a game like that, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that's why uh, right, they paid right. him all that money. Such a such an easy swing. Gets to the, the second deck out there uh, in left field. So if he's rounding into form, we said this. I thought we nailed this uh, in like last week's pod or whenever it was. It was like, there's a lot of issues, but if Trey Turner was just having like a C-minus season instead of an F season... Like they're probably 500 or over 500. And so that's starting uh, to happen now. So I like that. The bullpen. I mean, Craig Kimbrell, every smart baseball person I knew was like, this is a bad signing. What are they doing? He's washed. Oh my God, Dombrowski. Oh. And the guy looks incredible. Oh. I mean, oh, Craig yeah. Kimbrell. He's he throwing gas too. Yeah. He's throwing gas He's throwing too. Gas. Craig, no, Craig, yeah. Craig is balling this year. That That is, I mean, honestly, nah, I was... I, I was about to say, like, all right, he might be a better signing than Trey Turner, but I'm just like, all right, let, let me relax because this is just a closer <laughs> yes, compared. This is just a closer yeah. compared to a guy who has to play every day and play short every day and who's really good and got paid three hundred million dollars. Right. So let me relax. But no, Trey Trey Turner is, or uh, I'm sorry, Craig Kimbrell has been that guy, and I mean, what an excellent signing from from the Phillies, man. That front office is really really good. So I, yeah, I still Alvarado's got a lot of hope. supposed to come back. Yeah, yeah. this weekend. Uh, Bohm is supposed to come back this weekend. Have you noticed? Here's what here. Let's finish on this. Bryce Harper's acting like a complete maniac this year, and like I kind of like. Well, it. you got mad. You talking about when he got mad? Yeah. Well, there was a few weeks ago where he was like getting in the fight with I think that was Colorado. It was Colorado. That like yeah. the guy. Yeah. yeah. So he Colorado. he was like ready to fight their whole team, which was right. awesome. Uh, he, he's. He had the thing in, I forget what game it was, where the ump like called the strike and he's like just going back and forth with him being like, no, that wasn't a strike. Then he hits that, he, he flies out to the warning track. It doesn't go over and he's like throwing it. He's going nuts in the dugout. Like, I don't know if I'm like, this is great. You need someone like this. Or if I'm like, dude, Bryce, we need you to like last the next whatever five <laughs> months here. Just somebody get him to settle down and take a deep breath. But I, I yeah. noticed that with him, like the guy is yeah. on edge this year. Yeah, Bryce always kind of had to have to him, right? Like, He's always like that. Yeah, yeah like that's like because but I'm noticing I, it more this year. Yeah, I, I feel like the expectation has changed a little bit now, especially coming off of the World Series run. That he's definitely like, and on the top of that, he's probably just frustrated just because his health, right? Like he wants to be out there every single day, and I guess. Right. South is just holding him back and he's just not fully ready to go. And he's just like, bro, I just want to be out there for my guys. I just want to be out there for the team. And he's just not healthy. And I'm sure that just that bleeds into, you know, his play. And he's just frustrated and he just he wants to be that guy, he wants to be in the three spot, hitting 30 home runs and having 100 RBIs. And he just can't be that guy right now, which is fine. I mean, just come back in second half or not even second half, come back later this month. Have a good run towards the towards the postseason. Get into the first of all, get into the postseason, and then you know figure it out from there. But shout out to Nick Castellanos too, man. Like really, oh really, really turn Two hits around every night. Yeah, like unbelievable. And, and I feel like the praise hasn't been loud enough because I remember last year a lot of the criticism was super loud. And low I agree, key, he's you're been, right. Low key, the, he's been the best player on the Phillies this season. Yeah, and he just is not getting enough love. So shout out to Nick, man. Cutting balls off in the, in the in the outfield, making sure that dudes only get doubles that would be extra base hits and maybe triples, and just making plays in the outfield too. And he's batting 
I don't, I don't know the exact number right this second as we're recording this. It was but, like fifth in batting average like yesterday yeah, or something. Yeah, like the, in the, the dude majors is, or in the NL. Yeah, the dude is doing really good. So shout out to Nick Castellanos. I hope he listens to this podcast so he can come on one day. Shout out to Nick. <laughs> Nick, we yeah. like you, man. No, you're right because I was ripping him quite a bit during that playoff run. And because he was, was like, bad. back here. Yeah, yeah, he was bad like, though. Like, rightfully really really so. Like, back here. Yeah, yeah, he chased yeah. everything poorly. Like, he chased every bad pitch. Yeah. The dude was just an impatient hitter. He was just forcing everything. And then, you know, you heard, every, you know, he had a kid and he had a newborn and things were just, moved it was a lot. Just and moving. All that. Yeah, like, like, just moving around. He moved into that cursed house that Ben Simmons used to live in. So there's that. <laughs> I as love well. you always bring that up. <laughs> You're never going to forget that. I love it. It's the best you know, theory the, for the what? That's, the a bad, that's a much better theory than the kid and the moving. Yeah, I'm yeah, gonna, yeah. So uh, I, it, it seems like he feels comfortable in Philly now. <laughs> And he has been playing like the best player on the Phillies. So shout out to Nick, man. Yeah, he's he's been, you're right. He's been their most consistent hitter. I swear he gets two, at least two hits uh, every night. That's been awesome. And Harper, yeah, Harper is playing like really well. Like the power hasn't been there, but he's mm-hmm. playing uh, at a high level. And I think what you said is right. Like I've always said it would suck to play wide receiver because like you can do everything right the whole game. And what if you're really, if you're a good wide receiver, like you might get, uh, not the best, but you might get what six chances to actually catch the ball, and on those you're reliant on your quarterback not sucking and the offensive line not sucking and the yeah. other players running the right routes. Like think about that—you put all in all that work for like six opportunities a game. Eight targets, five. Yeah, eight yeah. targets, five, five real actual targets, and then like three catches. Right, like three catches for yeah, five catches yards. a game. You're what eighty-five catches a year. Like not a lot of guys even That's hard. Uh, have that many. So, I think DH is similar, you know, like mm-hmm. you're putting in all this work and you're going up there four times and then the rest of the time you're just coming back to the dugout and hanging out. And like Bryce Harper's not a low energy guy. You right. Know? Like he's got, he, he needs to, he, he needs so to like, I, 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 yeah, he needs that trot to the outfield. He needs that trot back, back to the dugout after the inning is over. You know what I'm yeah. saying? He needs to move his body a little bit. Right. He needs to get active when a fly ball is going out there and he can get underneath it. Or if he has to chase something in yeah. the corner or maybe like a liner down the line and that ball goes into the room. He cuts it off correctly. And he throws it, you know, to whoever the cutoff man is like, he does. Yeah. Like he definitely seems like a guy that needs that like activity to like really, really get himself going. He's a little whereas, yeah, yeah. Whereas like you just, when you, when you're just a DH, right. Your most active part of you is just what hanging over the dugout rail and then going to the on deck circle. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, he tough. tries to turn everything into a double. It doesn't matter yeah. where he hits the ball. He's trying to get second. So you, he's, yeah. he's finding some way uh, to get that um, energy yeah. out. So yeah, big series this weekend uh, against the Dodgers. That'll be fun. It'll be very exciting if they win that series uh, against the Dodgers. You know, the three under 500 right now, if they can, uh, if they can take care of business there. Uh, I think they're going to get rolling. I'm not, I'm not in any stretch like, oh, they're going to need to be Sellers at the door, you know. I think they're gonna. I think they'll get, get rolling. They're gonna I think they'll okay. get rolling simply off the fact of like how good Stott, Castellanos, Boehm, like those guys, Marsh. Like I think they'll get rolling because of those guys. And then all it takes is your big money guys to actually step up. And you know Turner. we need yep. we need Schwarber to be you know that thirty home run guy. You need Trey Turner to be that you know what is it about three hundred batting average type of guy with yeah. 80, 90 RBIs. You need that. You need, you know, JT to be the 270 guy, consistent. He's been on coming base. on strong. Yeah, yeah, he has. And he has. And he has. He has definitely been coming on strong. And you need Bryce to be the, the three, four-hole hitter that'll get you, that'll knock some runs in, get some RBIs. It's, it's, it's those guys. And, like, 
I know they have that gear on them when they can turn it on. It's just it's just frustrating right now because the lineup changes damn near every day. You know, guys have just been super streaky right now, and I feel like the season's just been like really lagging on to them. And I don't know what it is, but I, I, I'm with you. I do think they pick it up. Like I think this team is too good to not uh, to not succeed on the back end of the season. Yeah, let let's hope that by the time you listen to this, they didn't lose to the Tigers like thirty <laughs> to two. Uh, and all of this is outdated. All right. That was a fun episode. Thank yep. you to EJ Smith of the Inquirer. Thank you to Cliff Augustine. Uh, as usual, everyone have a great weekend watching uh, Phillies Dodgers. I guess that's it, right? Eagles are done. We don't expect any So have fun watching Phillies Dodgers this weekend. We will be back next week. Appreciate you all listening to the Ringers Philly Special. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.